gospel story. He reminds us that God is love, that God has a covenant plan for not only, only all of humanity, but all of creation, that God dearly, dearly holds us, as we'll read in Ephesians 5, and that after we sit in that good news, after we sit in that reality of God's love, of that non-refundable deposit that God has placed on our lives, it is time to get up and to walk in the good news of that truth. So before we turn to God's word together, would you pray with me? God, as we come to you this morning, we pray that your word would be our rule, that your spirit would be our teacher, and that the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, would be our utmost concern. Bless the reading of the word this morning. May our hearts and minds be open to your spirit's presence. This we pray in your name. Amen. We're going to begin in Ephesians 4 in the 25th verse and then read through the first two verses of chapter 5. Friends, hear the word of the Lord. Seek the highest good of your enemy. Seek the highest good, agape love. So that's a pretty hard type of love. Seeking the highest good of the other. I'm really grateful that's the way that God loves us. But that's, that's a really hard way um, to love. In our passage this morning, Paul describes a little bit, it's certainly not an exhaustive list by any means, but he begins to describe what it means to agape love, to seek the highest good of the other. So again, this is, more of a, this is not a feeling, it is a choice, how I show up and how I interact with my neighbor. And he does so using a company of catchphrases. I was intimidated by Pastor Stephen's title last week, but I just couldn't like Dr. Seuss it, so I just tried to like throw some alliteration, but anyway. So it's a company of catchphrases. So I'm sure as we read the text, there were some catchphrases that you recognized. Sometimes uh, we say some catchphrases that we think are from scripture, but they're actually not. Um, there's maybe that concept is in scripture, but that literal, you know, choice of words is not. For example, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's not literally in scripture. The devil made me do it. It's not literally in scripture. Hate the sin, love the sinner. That's not literally in scripture. Some of those concepts are there, but those words are not literally used. I remember when I was a counselor at Camp Geneva, there was um, a chaplain who came and said, all right, you know, all the counselors, you need to pray the sinner's prayer. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what that means. So I'm like looking through my Bible for the sinner's prayer. But that was another example of a catchphrase. He had a different passage in mind. But these are catchphrases that are actually in Scripture, likely how you heard them if you know them, while you were growing up. So I'm just curious, I'm going to read them for you, these three. And if you have heard this before, I'm just curious if you'd raise your hand so we can see. In your anger, do not sin. Don't lie to me. Okay. Uh, hands down. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Okay, I see a lot of hands there. All right, hands down. Do not give the devil a foothold. Yeah, hands down. 
Yeah, those are catchphrases that I especially have heard parents use um, before. I notice too, if we keep making our way through the pass through the passage, um, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I didn't hear that verbatim growing up, but I heard touch your top lip to your bottom lip. My mom used to say that. She's laughing because she knows. Touch your top lip to your bottom lip. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. So again, it's not literally in there, but it's that concept. That's where that idea comes from. So we have these catchphrases that are here in scripture that Paul presents to us as he's reflecting on what it means to agape love, our neighbor. And he's doing that within the context of Ephesians 4 by talking about this old self and the new self. So here's what Paul says about that old self in our text this morning. Paul says that the old self speaks lies. Did you catch that in our passage? The old self puts, is full of falsehood that needs to be put off, so speaks lies. The old self has anger that is unchecked. Okay, so this is an anger that just festers. All right, so unchecked anger is the old self. Stealing is the old self. Unwholesome talk is the old self, which he goes on to add includes bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and malice. All of those things are the old self. And then he pairs that, sometimes a direct comparison and others he leaves for us to imply. Speaking lies, no. New self is you speak the truth. Unchecked anger, no. Check your anger. Stealing, working for those in need. Unwholesome talk is replaced with talk that is helpful, talk that builds up the other. We had bitterness, rage, anger, bawling, slander, and malice over here. The new self is kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. The old self on our shelf is replaced by those things. Truth, checking my anger, working, speaking things that are helpful, kindness, compassion, forgiveness. That's in my pantry of my soul now. <laughs> These ideas um, that Paul lists for us can be found in so many places um, in scripture. Again, not an exhaustive list, but a very, very important list when we agape love one another. A few things to note that I just find really powerful as we look at that list. Speaking lies versus speaking the truth, it is just true that words create worlds. They do. We talked about this before, but remember back to Genesis when God spoke and a world was created? That still happens today. If you talk to a little kid who is bullied all throughout their childhood, what is their world as an adult? Words create worlds. They still do that today. So when you speak a lie, a falsehood, that shapes a world for that person. That becomes their reality. But when you speak a word that builds up, when you speak a word that encourages, when you speak a word that challenges, that's important. When you speak a word that challenges or inspires or empowers, you create a different type of world for that person 
for yourself. The Bible, too, has a lot to say about anger in lots of different places. I think here, when Paul talks about anger, he seems to note that there is a difference between an anger that goes unchecked, an anger that just can do whatever it wants to whomever it wants, and an anger that is checked, an anger that someone is paying attention to. Paul's not saying here that you will never feel angry or that it's wrong to be angry. Paul is saying here, address the cause for your anger immediately before the sun goes down, right away, as soon as possible. Seek forgiveness and reconciliation quickly. Don't let that anger fester because when you do, you put the health of the church at risk. Okay, don't let that anger go unchecked. Check your anger. Check yourself. Stealing versus working for others. There's a shift in the Greek that happens here. Um, most of Ephesians is written to y'all. We've talked about that before. It's plural forms of verbs that are for everybody. But in this part, it switches to a singular verb, which I find interesting. Um, and that means that likely Paul is talking to a specific person, like, hey, Terry, I know you've been stealing, you know. Um, and Paul's calling, calling that person out. Um, and encouraging that person, like, hey, you need to work for the needs of others, right? But that doesn't mean that doesn't apply to us, or there's not something for us to learn from this. Those who can work ought to work. For who? For others, so that the community can be built up. Don't take what others have produced. Don't take credit for what others have done. Do the work so that others can be built up. Just this past week, we had a group of folks go down to Juarez to do just that, to go and to work because they can for the building up of others. That's just a beautiful way to agape love. And the other thing that I noticed, too, about this passage, when we think about that bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice, and the kindness, compassion, and forgiveness— Jesus does this a little bit too, but Paul's kind of picking up on it. When Jesus talks, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't say, don't do this thing over here, don't murder. Jesus backs it up, backs it up, backs it up, and says, don't call your brother a fool. Because you're going to do that, and that's going to lead to this. And then you're going to do that, and that's going to lead to this. And that's going to lead to this. Most people don't wake up and say, hmm, I'm going to murder my neighbor. But a lot of people wake up and say, my neighbor's such a fool. Or whatever it is that you say about, about your neighbor. Paul's picking up on that too. Pay attention to your bitterness. If you don't pay attention to it, that could lead to rage and anger. If you don't pay attention to that, what is it going to lead to? Slander. Right? So Paul, just like Jesus, saying back it up, back it up, back it up. Pay attention to that unchecked bitterness. Once you've got it, take it out, pick up kindness, compassion, and put it in. Yeah, so um, this is really easy. Thank you for the one person who laughed at that. So, uh, Yeah, this is really hard. Uh, it's really hard to agape love this way. It's, it's really hard uh, to do. 
especially to agape your enemy, it's like a little bit more helpful when I can agape a friend or agape a family member. It's a lot harder to agape my enemy. I feel that sometimes when I pull up my Facebook page and I'm like, ugh. You know, it can be hard to agape. In fact, it's so hard that Paul compares it to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It's hard. It is hard to agape love. But these are the priorities of the Spirit. These are the priorities of the Spirit because when we don't do these things, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? We grieve the Holy Spirit when we do not do these things. I find it interesting going through this text on graduation Sunday um, because we are here to celebrate um, some priorities, right? Some achievements, some successes of our college and high school graduates, right? They succeeded in getting through high school or getting through college. Many of them are looking forward to, you know, things in the future, different things, which we'll hear about more later. And those are really good things, really good. We're here to celebrate those things and to rejoice not only with the students, but with the parents. You did it, (laughs) right? These are really, really important milestones. They're good. They're not the priorities of the Spirit, though. They're not a priority listed here. I'll pick on Lauren because she's going to Calvin. So she she wins this time around. That's my alma mater. Um, So Lauren's going to Calvin. And um, if she decides not to go to Calvin, it will certainly grieve me all the way to the depths of my soul. But will it grieve the Spirit if she doesn't go to Calvin? Say no. No, it will not grieve the spirit if Lauren doesn't go to Calvin. If her plan changes, you know, she's going to major in phys ed, that might change. If she changes her major, will the spirit be grieved? No. May she be grieved? Maybe. Maybe others may feel some grief. But that is not a priority of the spirit for her to go to Calvin and for her to pursue phys ed. It's really good. Go nights. But it is not a priority of the spirit. However, if Lauren, if she speaks a word of bitterness to Noah right now, does that grieve the spirit? Say yes. Yeah. By the way, they're not arguing or anything. I just just was going to say that already, so that I was not trying to call you out. That will grieve the spirit if she does do that. So that feels really intense because a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into that decision to go to Calvin and to study P.E., right? But I think the good news for us that that's not a priority of the Spirit, but paying attention to this new self is. It's good news for us because we can all honor the Spirit now, right now. Your circumstances are important, and in order to do this work, they do not matter. Your circumstances don't matter. Woo! It doesn't matter if you have a college degree. It doesn't matter if you're in your dream job right now. It doesn't matter if you don't have kids. It doesn't matter if you are single, if you're not married. Everyone now can choose these priorities of the Spirit. And that causes the Spirit to rejoice. 
as we live into that agape love, as we choose to tell the truth, as we choose not to steal but to work, as we choose kindness and compassion and forgiveness, that causes the Spirit to rejoice. What matters is the agape mindset. I choose to seek the good of the other every time. Friends, as we go into our week doing that really hard work, may God give us courage and may God give us grace as well. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.